stories of the week. It's just one story. It's an editorial news edition of uh, News Weekly. I haven't done one of these in a while, and I thought I would do one because, well, it's a part of my goal with News Weekly, other than doing just news satire, is to talk about news stories that I wish would get more coverage. So, for example, I don't know if many of you have noticed or if any of you have ever really noticed, but I hardly ever talk about America. I almost never bring up American news. I almost never bring up Trump because I feel like that news already saturates our news landscape. You know, you can go to any international news website. You can go to most um, news satire shows. And the focus is usually on America. America, it's easy to satirize and America is easy to talk about. I don't want to talk about America for that reason. If you want to get news stories about America, you can get them. Which is why I try to focus on Australian news, for example, on local Australian news, and then also on international news stories that you really don't sometimes get enough coverage of. So, you know, in the last few episodes, I've done things about Pakistan and the flooding over there, which obviously is personal to me, but I also felt like it didn't get enough coverage in international news. I also see the same thing happening with Iran right now. When the protests in Iran started, there were protests around the world and they they got a lot of coverage. They did. Uh, I, at one point in News Weekly a few weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago now, pointed out how the coverage was actually fairly ubiquitous across most Western news channels, but barely visible on any of the news channels in the Muslim world. That has remained true to this day. You can still go to Al Jazeera's main page right now, and there'll be wall-to-wall coverage, for example, about a killing of a Palestinian boy by Israel forces. Now, I'm not saying that the killing of a Palestinian boy by Israeli forces is not newsworthy and has deserves news coverage, but there is a distinct lack of coverage about Iran. And I think, or at least my assessment is, that that lack of coverage is political. That lack of coverage is religion-based and it is cultural and it has a certain agenda behind it. But right now, you're not even seeing that coverage anymore on Western news channels. 24-hour news means the world is always moving, the news is always moving, and if it's not something that attracts eyeballs, it's not something that's getting the headlines. And I think Iran stopped attracting the eyeballs. It's kind of fallen off the headlines. And as a result, we don't realize that the protests are still going on. The protests are actually building in size, that people are still dying, that women are still being murdered for protesting. And the protests, which should have, and many assumed would have, faded away by now, are getting bigger. So as a result, I thought I'd talk to someone about them. The person I've spoken to is Noz Husseini. Uh, she's a spokesperson for the Australian organization Iranian Women's Association. They have a Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and search up Iranian Women's Association or on Instagram, you'll be able to join them. They've got a hashtag going uh, to kind of create more awareness about this topic. And they've also been reaching out to many politicians across Australia. And in the interview, Noz tells us how we can also be of more service and help to the Iranian people fighting the good fight right now. This is my interview with Noz Husseini. Next week, I'll be back with another regular edition of News Weekly. I hope you enjoy this. Thank you so much for speaking with me here on News Weekly. It's um, it's been a few weeks now, several weeks, in fact, since the protests in Iran started. Um, you know, for people who haven't been paying attention, I don't know how you missed the story at this point. It's one of the biggest stories around the world. Um, did you think they'd last this long? Uh, look, uprisings like this have happened in Iran before, but what's really encouraging is that people are standing shoulder to shoulder in a way that they haven't before. The Iranian regime's always um, taken advantage of ethnic and religious tensions and has really exploited that and tried to separate people. But for once, you're seeing people standing side by side from various 
community groups, from ethnic groups, from religious backgrounds, from political, um, different political persuasions standing together and fighting for the same cause and calling for regime change. So it's really remarkable to see that level of uh, solidarity and that level of social cohesion. So I want to ask you about that because, you know, we've seen protests like this in Iran before, like you you said. Um, I mean, the big one I remember was the Green Revolution protests and everything that happened. Uh, we've seen them during election time, particularly, that tend to happen. There are protests and then they fizzle out and then the regime stays the regime. Like the, you know, the, the people in charge stay in charge. Do, am I being optimistic or like naively optimistic by thinking it feels different this time? Uh, look, I, I agree. I think it, it definitely feels different this time around. Um, I have family in Iran and uh, over the last few years, whenever uh, there'd be unrest in Iran, whether it be in response to the cost of living or petrol prices or uh, in response to the fraudulent presidential elections or the 1999 student movement, uh, people were speaking out. But protests did fizzle out because the Iranian regime would send its anti-riot police and its revolutionary guards to quash that dissent. And uh, what we're seeing now is people in my own family contacting me and openly speaking against the regime and openly sending me commentary about what's going on, whereas in the past they would be so afraid to even do that. I'm getting constant messages from them, constant videos of... Um, of demonstrations in the cities that they're from and uh, they've sent me footage of uh, anti-riot police and revolutionary guards just littering both sides of the street waiting to just pounce on people who are openly defying this regime and for this momentum to continue and for the movement to grow stronger and stronger, uh, the media and the international community really do have a responsibility and a really important role to play in ensuring that the focus remains on Iran so the people of Iran know that they're not alone and that they have a strong global movement and a strong global support behind them because that will encourage them to continue to openly defy this regime and call out for regime change. Is that media support there right now? If I, like, for example, I'm, I'm on the BBC News front page right now and there's only one story which says uh, uh, Nika Shakarami, who's, you know, the young lady who, who was most recently killed by the regime, um, her mother says her daughter was murdered. There's an ABC News as a story on its front page or in, actually under the international news section, which says Ir- Iranian coroner says Masamini did not die from blows to body, IRNA news agency reports, right? Al Jazeera... It's Ukraine, it's OPEC, it's Ukraine, it is um, Palestine, and it's Israel. There's nothing. You know, Al-Arabiya, there's nothing. Like, whenever I go CNN, there's one story. Where's this mass coverage? This is a big thing that we're seeing happening in Iran. Is the news community falling short in its responsibility to report on this? I think they have a really important and a very significant role to play to ensure that this remains... Um, as a prominent story and a prominent feature on the news. Um, Otherwise, the regime will continue to indiscriminately attack protesters and kill them um, in the comfort of its own um, country without any scrutiny and without any focus. So um, I do believe that there needs to be far more media coverage than there is, and we're grateful to ABC for continuing to um, provide commentary and uh, 
providing a real focus and a platform for the Iranian community in Australia, but more definitely needs to be done. We need more uh, mainstream media outlets to cover this story so that the ordinary Australian is aware of it. But um, where we're very fortunate is that celebrities in the Iranian community abroad and in Iran, um, soccer players, um, bloggers, bloggers and um, YouTubers and TikTokers and uh, social media influencers and celebrities in in the West are banding together and uh, lending themselves their voices to the voices of the women in Iran and making sure mm-hmm. that those voices are amplified. So if it weren't for that continuing outpour of support, um, it's unfortunately one of those things where if that support dwindles, then uh, people will stop thinking about the people of Iran who are suffering who, and they'll continue to suffer in silence and uh, the regime will um, continue to up its campaign of terror and violence against the people of Iran. Do you think um, right now more can be done by the Iranian expat community, for example? Like, you know, you're, you're a part of an organization called the Iranian Women's Association to raise awareness about this. So is this now something that it's it's not on the Iranians anymore? Like they've done their part. It's, a, it's on other people. Um, I think uh, the Iranian community and the broader community need to go hand in hand and actually work together towards raising that awareness and putting pressure on the Australian government in providing an adequate response. I mean, it's great that they've come out and they've condemned the violence that's been levelled at the protesters and defended the rights of Iranians to peacefully protest, but it goes beyond being able to peacefully protest. It goes to the heart of the matter, which is since 1979, Iranian people have suffered in silence. They've suffered tremendously under this dictatorship and the younger generation want regime change and um, without the external community putting that pressure on the Iranian regime, nothing will change. So how do you... How do you convince people this story matters? I, you know, whenever whenever I talk to people who are not Irani, for example, you know, like just other Australians and things like that, um, everyone knows about Ukraine. But now even the Ukraine stories, you know, that's an active war still going on. And that's on the back burner in people's heads. You know, so much is happening. How do you tell people th- this story matters? And what is it about it that should matter to people? Well, the, the story matters because it, it shows exactly what people of Iran have been for, up against. So the international community, if they don't show an adequate response and they don't condemn the Iranian regime and call them out and hold them to task for the crimes that it's committed against the people of Iran, um, for the, 1990, uh, sorry, the 1988 massacre of political prisoners who served their sentences, the 1998 chain murders um, and dis- disappearances of intellectuals and political activists and um, the way that it responded to the 1999 student uprisings where students and their student leaders were arrested, tortured and killed and dormitories were raided. Um, and then obviously the presidential um, uprisings of um, 2009, they were also met with arrest and violent crackdowns and protesters were being shot at in the way that they are now with live ammunition and um, they were subject to show trials and there were mass um, disappearances. 
And of course, um, the intentional um, shooting down of Ukraine Air Flight PS752 mm-hmm. on the uh, 8th of January 2020. Where's the accountability for that? I mean, over 1,000 days has passed since that plane was shot. The victims and their families have not, they've had no justice. No justice has not been served. Um, so this story is important because people have been suffering for four, over 43 years. They've been suffering since the revolution. Whenever there's uprising in, whenever there's an uprising in Iran, whenever people um, are actively showing um, that they don't want the regime, you know, unfortunately things haven't changed. The regime is has no accountability. It's getting away with murder, literal murder. It's committed genocide in the last few days against um, the people of Sistan and Beluchistan, which is one of the most impoverished regions in Iran. So um, a police officer raped a young girl and the community there responded and they were shot at and they referred to that incident as Bloody Friday because the Sunni community in that region were having, um, having their, doing their Friday prayers and they were met with violence. I've seen photos, the most harrowing photos of young children, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds who have been murdered as a result of this genocide against the Baluchi community, well, against the Baluchi ethnic groups. And obviously the, the treatment of the Kurds is appalling. The treatment of Arabs and the Lurs and the Bakhtiyaris is appalling and the treatment of all the religious and ethnic minorities and the LGBTQI community, it's appalling. So... Things won't change until people take up, but stand up and take action and take notice of what's going on. So we can't um, respond to this with silence anymore. The international community, um, sorry, the, the, the relationship between the West and the Iranian regime is characterised by a policy of appeasement and we've just let them get away with it time and time again. So now's the time for that pressure to be put on the Iranian regime, for the UN to do a referendum or an open election um, because people don't trust the regime to do an election. If if all of the community get together and put that pressure and that happens, there'll be no issues in Iran. People will be able to um, determine their own futures and have more agency and have a voice. So I want to ask you about this two there's two communities here right which have their own narratives about what's happening in Iran one is the west now in if you you know qualify Australia New Zealand Canada America England all these western countries their narrative is that Iran uh, the government is what they're doing is wrong the government is extremely corrupt and and uh, the Iran nuclear deal is a massive problem etc cetera, etc cetera. they're calling for an uh, you know they hope for an overthrow there's an other side to this story, which is the East side, which is, you know, in Pakistan, for example, this is what I hear and see on the social media there, where the articles and columns are saying things like, as long as the West doesn't invade Iran, we don't want that. Um, we can't trust Israel and America. This is all a revolution that's being fomented by the West because the poor Iranian government is the only Islamic government. And Therefore, this is a conspiracy against Islam. And, um, you know, women uh, fighting for the right to take off the hijab is good, but we shouldn't malign the reputation of the hijab. Um, Now, I'm speaking from my personal opinion, uh, which I'm not a journalist on this show, so I can, is uh, I think that that is a deeply corrupt and extremely problematic point of view. Do you face that as well? Do you see that narrative coming out? And how do you counter that? 
Um, I'd say that people have been quite responsive and quite receptive to the struggles and the plight of the people of Iran. I mean, I I do believe that what um, what started off as a response to Masa Amini's death has mm-hmm. evolved into so, so much greater. It's evolved into something so much bigger and it's not about the headscarf. I mean, uh, women should have the right to wear a headscarf or not wear a headscarf. It should be up to that person um, to yeah. make that decision. Um, it goes to basic fundamental human rights, women's rights, which should be um, at the forefront of any government's um, policy making. Women shouldn't have to ask their husbands for permission to leave the country or to study or to leave the house. Uh, women should uh, have the right to ask for a divorce and have that divorce granted to them. Women should be able to seek custody of their children and have that granted to them. So in the eyes of the law, they're not equal. They're considered to be um worth half of a man and their testimony is worth half of that of a man and if a woman cries rape they need to bring another woman with them to the police station to report that rape because their testimony is worth half of that of a man's so it it, that's that's the crux of what we're dealing with and I think it really detracts from this movement that started by the people, by women and men who are standing shoulder to shoulder, putting their lives on the line, paying a very hefty price for freedom to say that this is um, orchestrated by the United States or it's orchestrated by Israel because that that's suggesting that people don't have that ability to stand up and realise that, no, this is wrong, this is not on. So it, that detracts from the movement. The other side then is the West side, which we're talking about. And, and, and is it sanctions? We've already had sanctions on the, on the Iranian government. It doesn't seem to be having any effect on, on the popular or, or no, not popularity rather, but the strength of, you know, uh, Khamenei and Raisi and all these people. Uh, the IRGC is what is the solution? What can the international community do um, short of invasion to stop the government from doing another brutal crackdown? Yeah, so obviously the interventions we've seen in Iraq, in Afghanistan, they haven't um, produced the the outcomes that I'd say the West thought it would produce. I don't think you can go and impose democracy. I think it needs to be done collaboratively with the community, by the community, for the community. So the people in Iran who are at the forefront of that struggle and at the forefront of these demonstrations and uprisings and the political prisoners who are currently languishing in jail, the lawyers who are languishing in jail, the unionists, the activists, the outspoken bloggers and journalists, their voices are so important and they could be leading the way, but unfortunately they dared to speak out against this regime and they've been locked up and a lot of the protesters now are being locked up. So th- there needs to be a call for the immediate release of all these protesters who have been arrested and the release of the protesters who have been abducted and no one knows of their whereabouts. Like Nilufar Homedi, the journalist who took that incredible photo of Maso, which has gone viral, her, in her last moments in a deep coma on the hospital bed. She was abducted. She's disappeared. Shervin, who wrote that incredible anthem, he's he was arrested. So, so Shervin wrote this incredible song, which the international community is calling for um, to be, uh, they're calling for this song to be nominated for a Grammy. It's called Baroya. And it, it accurately characterises the struggles of the Iranian people. His, his, his lyrics go 
are just so emotive and so moving and I've seen um, it being played at the protests that we've had around Australia and women are showing their solidarity with the women of Iran and they're cutting their hair, they're cutting up their passports and showing that they are with the people of Iran. So I, I agree that um, I, I believe that foreign um, invasion is not going to work. I think the Iranian people just need that support. Um, I think McGinsky sanctions should be implemented against the regime. I believe the IRGC needs to be characterised as a terrorist organisation. I think the assets of the regime and the perpetrators and their dependents and anyone whose hands have been stained with the blood of the Iranian people need to be frozen. Um, I believe Australia should follow um, in the footsteps of Canada in listing the IRGC as a terrorist entity. And also as a show of solidarity with the people of Iran, the Australian government should recall the Australian ambassador to Iran and close down the Iranian embassy and consulate in Canberra and expel those that are at that embassy because they're not here to serve the Iranian people. The Iranian community is strongly calling for the embassy to be shut down. They're calling for the Australian government to adopt a very strong response to this violent unrest. I mean, like you said, um, this is the the Iranian government is so used to being condemned. It's so used to being subject of UN resolutions. It's grown complacent because it's not taking the world seriously. We need to be a little bit more strategic and we need to be thinking of tangible outcomes and tangible measures, otherwise things won't change. The regime will, if, if the news cycle moves away from Iran and people stop talking about Iran, then the Iranian regime will take advantage of the situation and continue to arrest people, continue to round up demonstrators and continue to violate women's rights and minority rights and the rights of ethnic and religious communities and uh, you're just seeing so much bravery on the street and you, I don't want to see the death of Masa Amini and the community don't want to see that the death of Masa Amini to be in vain. Um, we don't want to see the death of Nico whose body was returned to her parents with no organs. That Her death should not be in vain. I mean Masa's not the first she won't be the last, unfortunately, and as we've seen with this uprising, there are so many victims, there are so many abductees, there are so many people that have been detained. And if the news cycle shifts its focus and the international community shifts its focus, the regime will continue to indiscriminately attack the Iranian people. You see so much bravery. I, I saw footage of... A, a man standing in front of women and using his body as a shield and they showed photos of his back and it was just covered in rubber bullets. You just, you haven't seen that level of intensity and you haven't seen that level of solidarity. So I just, I don't want it to be for nothing. It can't be for vain. It can't be in vain. One maso is one maso too many. We've started that hashtag campaign here at the Iranian Women's Association because we believe it sends a strong message to the world that um, one maso is one maso too many. It doesn't matter how many people. One death is one death too many. Um, Neda Oga Sultan was murdered during the previous uprisings. 
Sator Behesti, who was a blogger, was murdered. Zara Kozemi, who was a photojournalist, Canadian-Iranian photojournalist, who was um, who died, I think, 17 or 19 days after she was arrested and thrown into Evin prison. Prisoners have provided eyewitness testimonies that uh, she was raped and they could hear her cries. Uh, and their deaths, uh, it's as though they've been cast into the historical um, archives because there has been no accountability. Uh, look at Navid Afkali. He was forced to give a false confession that he murdered someone when in fact he didn't and he was executed. This is how they treat their athletes. This is how they treat their journalists, their brightest and their youngest. And uh, we see that playing out on the streets. Do you think this time it is different? Deep down, like seeing how things have been building momentum, like the momentum isn't going down. It seems to just be getting bigger and bigger. Do you think this is the time? I I do hope so. I, I strongly believe, I, I just have this strong sense that it can continue to be different if the international community are behind the people of Iran. I mean, this time the protests have spread, they've erupted to, across all 31 provinces. This level of unrest has is unprecedented. People have staged uprisings. It's usually been the students. It's usually been um, in response to elections and so on and so forth. But this uprising has united people in a way that we've never seen before. To make sure that that attention stays, to make sure that that focus stays in the international community. You know, like my listeners right now who are just, you know, people listening to this podcast, they're not journalists, they're not activists, they're just normal people living normal lives. What can they do? to make sure the story doesn't go away? Um, I would suggest that they um, look us up on uh, Facebook. The Iranian Women's Association has a Facebook page. They can reach out. They can um, become a voice for the people of Iran. We've started that hashtag campaign, which is hashtag one mask or too many. We've asked um, members of parliament and prominent Australians to provide videos of support and solidarity with the people of Iran. Um, the president of the ACTU, Michelle O'Neill, has provided a video, Julian Hill and uh, Kate Thwaites, the member for Jagger Jagger. So it's just been incredible to get that outpouring of support. But I think um, more videos would be very useful, more messages of solidarity. And um, Councillor Anna-Livia Carly-Hannon of Marybeth Council has uh, provided a video collage, which is a really creative way of doing it. And she's shown this. these are the things that she, there's a photo of her holding glass of wine and there's a photo of her playing soccer which women can't do I mean women can't even watch soccer games in Iran um they've um they've had to I don't know if you know about this but in the past they've dressed up as men so that they can go and watch soccer so she's put that collage together and she's provided a post of solidarity with the women of Iran and shown the basic things the basic freedoms that we have here that we take for granted she used that to highlight the fact that women in Iran and people in Iran don't have access to those basic freedoms. So just to raise that awareness, um, it'd be great if people got on board and um, we're about to launch a petition as well calling on the Australian government to take a strong stand and to take strong measures in dealing with this regime um, because if there, there are no um, measures taken and the regime is not, um, you know, if, if these crimes against humanity and this genocide is not taken seriously, the regime will continue its campaign against the people of Iran. So 
Um, or, you know, speak to Iranians or uh, speak to Iranians that you meet in your day-to-day life and ask them, what can we do? Um, how can we support you in getting your voices heard? And um, I'd say write to your federal member of parliament and if you need assistance with that, we're more than help, happy for you to reach out to us on Facebook um, or look me up on Instagram and send me a private message. I'm more than happy to to help out in, in any way that I can um, if you're willing to be a voice for the people of Iran. Um, but as I mentioned, go to our Facebook page or speak to Iranians in the community and uh, just help them by by providing any kind of support and by lending your voice to the people's movement in Iran. Nice. Thank you very much. That was my interview with Naz Hosseini. You can join the Facebook group for the Iranian Women's Association. Just look them up online. You should be able to find them. They also have an Instagram as well as a website. They've got forms that you can fill out to be an active member or they've just got supportive information about how you can be a part of the needs and requirements of the Iranian populace right now in trying to overthrow a brutal regime. It's a worthwhile cause. It's a worthwhile topic that does not, I think, still get the coverage that it deserves. As always, you can support News Weekly over on uh, iTunes by giving it a five-star rating and a positive review or head over to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash samishah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. I'll be back next week with a more regular edition of News Weekly. In the meantime, I hope you keep punching the news in the headlines weekly.